M to the E to the L S C I O U S to the M to the E to the L S C I O U S. Welcome to Malicious Events Podcast. Here's the thing. You're about to get to know me through this podcast and through other channels you may follow me on. And it's going to be an adventure for the both of us. So enjoy the ride as I will. So a little bit about my story because you might want to know where it all started. To be honest, I don't know exactly where it all started. I just know about the time that I knew that I could pursue planning events, going to them and having a ton of fun with it. So when I was 16, I wanted to super duper throw like the biggest sweet 16 party ever. And I remember back when I was in elementary school, <laughs> we had um, a food fight and I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers because it was nothing but a food fight. But somehow someone barricaded the doors <laughs> to go outside. So our assistant principal or whoever was there couldn't get in. And then someone Maybe some one thing th- flew in the air, so someone yelled, food fight! And then everyone was just so tense, kind of like running in place, like waiting for it to all happen. Someone, this is, seriously, this is all I remember. I saw one empty carton of milk, those little, those cardboardish ones, just fly through the air. And then you know what? That got the entire school in trouble for the next week. That was our food fight. So between that time in elementary school to when I was 16, I was like, huh, so like I, it's on my bucket list. I want to do a food fight. That'd be so cool. Who does that? Not a lot of people are involved in that and get away with it, or at least just they don't they don't not suffer the consequences. So when my 16th birthday was coming up. It was a summer. I have a summer birthday, so I feel like I can kind of go all out with my birthdays if I want. So when it's 16, it's a bigger deal. Um, my parents and our family. That was just a big party for the other. Other different years, we could just kind of do whatever with the family. But when I was 16, I wanted to plan a food fight. And let me tell you, I wanted to plan a food fight. I didn't care about having a birthday party where people bring me gifts or eat cake. First of all, I hate cake. Secondly, gifts I'm sure would have been nice, but I wanted to have ammo for the food fight. So this is what I did. And I know that my parents helped me with this. And sorry, I have a little bit of a runny nose right now. Tis the season. So what we did is, I remember, I don't know all what happened in order, but basically we knew a park that we've done a big slip and slide at before. It's 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 a park in Phoenix, and it's it's basically a big bowl. I think it's for, if there's a flash flood, a lot of the drains will go to this park because they don't want Phoenix to be, what is it, drowning in water flooding? Anyway, so it's like a drainage park. So it's this big bowl. It's really nice. It's it's in a good area. So <laughs> I remember calling the city and saying, hey, can I throw a food fight party? And I promise we'll clean it up. And they said, sure. And I was like, great. So then we already had the stuff for the slip and slide. I just kind of thought about how should this food fight really happen? So I made the coolest looking flyer with all different fonts, all different colors. And it was cleverly put together by yours truly. Um, I remember I put it on Facebook and MySpace and, oh, you know, MySpace. (laughs) And I remember I gave it to everyone that I could think of, even people that wasn't that close with or friends, but I like saw them at church dances or in the neighborhood. Oh, you bet your buns that they were invited. So I had my list together. I knew that instead of presents, I wanted them to bring the biggest bowl, the biggest container, the biggest pan of like the mushiest food they can find. I had food do's and food don'ts. The food don'ts had stuff like eggshells or um, let's see, 
I don't know what else is crunchy or hard, but something like that. So like the things that I did allow were things like pudding and um and rice and jello and and spaghetti and just like stuff that was soft because I don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't have party insurance at age 16. And then I needed photographers. So one of our family friends was a photographer and I had some other people. I think one of my siblings. Something else I wanted was music because what kind of party doesn't have music but the park didn't have any working outlets and so it was like on the top of the hill and then there are a couple of houses behind the 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 fence or the wall of the park and so I remember like my dad (laughs) my dad helped me and he walked up to the door to one of the houses so we could knock on it one of them was vacant so we didn't want to worry about that the next one so two houses away from the park or where we wanted to have our music we knocked on the door and said hey do you mind if we borrow some of your electricity? Um, I think we said like we'd compensate them like $20 or something for the few hours we would be using their electricity for our speakers. And they were like, yeah. So then we like jumped their fence a couple times in the back. Like I was on the wall of the freeway because there's the freeway, the park and the houses. I just remember like it was just the craziest thing. And I was sitting on that wall and I was like climbing over the fences with my dad's help. My dad's a rebel. I love him. Anyway, so we did that. And on the day of, I remember like this was such a buildup. I didn't even have it on my actual birthday. I actually waited a month because one of my best friends was coming back into town. So there was just such anticipation that when people's parents would drop them off at the park, I would say hi to some of them when I was up there and they'd say, man, I'm so jealous I can't stay. I wish this was a party I could come to. And I was like, oh, yeah, how funny. And at at this point, like now looking back, I wish I would have said like, get out of your car, go park, let's, let's party. Anyway, it was so much fun. So we had a giant food fight. We had photographers. I still have all these pictures. It's so much fun. And then, and then we all just basically cleaned off because my dad, he works for, he's a fire sprinkler contractor. So he had hookups to a fire hydrant nearby and he cleaned us all off with the fire hydrant hose and we all <laughs> used this good old Phoenix City water to clean off. And then we used that same water and I think we had like dish soap and stuff and I made cookies for people to eat. So anyway, we had this big slip inside. It was soapy. It was fun. And then everyone went home. Now, that was such a success that throughout high school, because that was my junior year. So throughout the rest of high school and even every once in a while, I still get people say like, man, that was the coolest party I've ever been to. So that's really what started it all. And then as I got older, when I went to college, I originally went to be a math teacher because I hear so many people, they hate math. And I feel that it's come easy to me because I think systematically in that way. And I just love getting in the groove. It's There's one answer. It's very to the point. And I just felt like I could teach it in a way to help people not hate it. So I thought I could teach it in a way to help people because I feel strongly about helping people. And I I don't know. I just, I, at first, my first semester, I went to school for that. During that first semester, obviously, I'm very conscious of like where the money is going. My parents were also helping me out. So I felt like I don't want to waste any of this money. So I went to these counselors and there was um, one of the big universities was in town at the the junior college that I went to. And so they said, oh, yeah, if you want to be in this teacher's program, you have to take these classes. And I was like, wait, I'm not even taking those classes. What do you mean? And so I just whether it was my ignorance or whether um, it was just a different program and I didn't care to find out more through that moment of frustration, I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to go for business because I'm going to go with my plan B, which has been my plan B for years and years, which is event planning. 
Now, as I get older, fast forward to today, I've done a handful of events. There's more along the story that you know, I'm, I'm positive I'll share with you all. Um, but, but really, I got to a point where I got married. We share finances. Um, and even before then, I was just I just have like a regular job. Like I've, I've maybe three or four weeks in my entire life. Have I worked a 40 hour week? I have always had part-time jobs because I've always had like multiple jobs and, and I love that. And I picked up skills everywhere. And it, it really wasn't until I got married where my husband, fortunately, and, and what a blessing, he's such a great person, but he started his own business. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to start my own business. And we're both just on this business kick and feeling so entrepreneur, we're we're feeling the spirit of entrepreneurship. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying. Entrepreneurs, we were, and um, it was. It's just been like a crazy high since then, and it just came. It it really came down to a point where I just wanted to make money from it, so I wasn't just spending money for nothing. I wanted to make a business out of it, so that we can have more financial freedom and we can enjoy what we're doing so I can plan the events that he wants to do for his business. And there's just so many things that coincide with what our dream and our goals are for our marriage and for our family lifestyle. So really, it's, I feel so blessed that I have known what I wanted to do for at, at least 10 years. I'm turning 26 in the year 2020 next year. So I feel so blessed that for 10 years, like I've known there's been like this this light inside of me and it's just, it was ignited back then and it has just been like fanned and kept blowing and blowing and then it's, it's just gotten so much better. So really, I, I really want to make a business out of this. Um, I, I want to be successful and I want to help others just like when I wanted to be a math teacher, the half the reason I wanted to do that was so I could help other people hate it less and going into events, I want people to hate the planning part less because they don't care about planning it as much as they care about their dream of how an event wants to go. A lot of people, unless you're an event planner, of course, but a lot of people don't have these dreams of like, oh, I can't wait to plan. They just have to say, oh, I can't wait for my party. So that's really the story. And we'll catch you guys next time. Yahoo! I decided I'm going to start recording all of my podcasts with that beginning because I truly do make that noise all the time. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I know that on the movie Frozen, there's one guy that goes, Yoo-hoo, big summer blowout. I definitely did it many moons before that. So I'm not saying I started it, but I'm just saying you'll hear that sound out of me a lot of times if you interact with me or if I see you and we're in passing or whatever. Or if I'm trying to get your attention in a very large, loud, crowded place, I usually do the yoo-hoo. <laughs> Speaking of that, um, I there's also a Christmas song right now. Because it's, it's now past Thanksgiving, so it's okay to talk about Christmas, I hear. But there's a song that goes, Just hear those sleigh bells ring-a-ling, ring-ting-ting-ling, too. And it says, Your friend going yoo-hoo. That's totally me. So I hope every time you hear that song, you think, Oh, Melanie says yoo-hoo all the time. Yoo-hoo! All right. Listen, the reason why I'm recording this is to tell you my relationship about Sleepy Ridge. I know I promised that last time. So before I tell you Sleepy Ridge Wedding Venue and how I'm just my relation to that place, I want to start when when I was a child. I want to talk about my sister, Roxanne, 
my sweet, sweet sister. She's the one closest in age to me. I'm the youngest of four. She's three years older than me. So in the schools in Arizona, they're every four years. So her and I would always share one year at least, not at least, but we would just share one year at school together. So we were we were close in that way. So when I was a child, <laughs> and let's be honest, I, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you right now. I don't tell many people this because it is embarrassing. However, it's me and it's past. <laughs> so just be aware of that. When I was a child, I'm talking like grade school, elementary school, elementary, like before third grade, you know, really before second grade. I don't really remember. I had a problem with peeing my pants. I'm just going to go out and say it. And I remember I would like ask the teacher if I can go. Sometimes they would deny me and I would just go in my seat. And it was always just, I just peed my pants. I just, enough to where I was good friends with the nurse because I would have to go to the nurse's office. I get clean panties and then be on my merry way. And like my, my family, we still laugh about it now because I was just so close with the nurse and buddies with her because I would always get clean panties. <laughs> anyway, um, that's embarrassing, but I love it because it's me. Uh, I, my, my sister Roxanne, it came to a point where I was in the turning point of from one grade to the next, probably like first grade to second grade or something along those lines. And she said, Hey, if you pee your pants in, in the third grade, you're going to get made fun of. And I was like, Oh no, I can't do that. So I honestly, I don't remember ever peeing my pants after that at school. I think she scared me into a change, which was great. Fast forward into like middle school time when I was in like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, because that's how our middle schools worked. It was all one school. Um, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely, I remember there was one year that in all the pictures and in all of my wardrobe, I wore cargo shorts one day, basketball shorts the next, cargo shorts one day, basketball shorts the next. And I would always wear like Converse or high tops and then maybe a hoodie or a t-shirt always guaranteed that is what you saw me in and that's just that's just how I dressed and I I knew it was a little more like like punkish or tomboyish or whatever and like I didn't really care I don't know if I even noticed I did notice I think it at one time during that whole school year and that is a lot of time to pass by but one time I was like maybe I should um not wear the same things every other day <laughs> anyway my sister I think when I was going into high school she's like Hey, you should probably up your wardrobe. People might think you're a little weird to just dress in the same two outfits. And I was like, oh, you're probably right. So she kind of like guided me into that shift in my life. And then going from, and this is, this is, <laughs> I love my sister. She has really guided me. I don't think she even knows these things, but I have, I listened to these three things that she told me. The third thing is um, when I was done with high school, School, going into college, she gave me some, you know, words of wisdom before I moved out to be on my own to go to college, pursue a career. And, um, and really, at that point, I just wanted to be a math teacher and events was on the side. You know, well, that's a whole nother thing. I love math. I think it's a system and a lot of people hate it. So I wanted to teach it in a way that was fun, also help students and then have them not hate it or hate it less. Anyway, um, so I was going to school and my sister was like, you know, you should really look for jobs that are going to build your resume because that's what's going to give you experience in the end because a lot of people need experience. And I was like, wise. Thank you. And then since then, I had a job. I think my first job after that, 
it was a small town. I went to a junior college in eastern Arizona. <laughs> Best two years of my life, I'll tell you that. Shenanigans all the time. We we burned a lot of things down by the river. <laughs> um so I got had like a work study job is just something to do in that tiny town. But then after that, I remember I went home before I served a mission and for a few months I worked with my aunt once a week and I worked at this place that was like a like a vintage home decor shop and I did things like um screw some backboards on this desk and paint it with chalk paint using cheesecloth and then I got to walk around and see all these local made crafts and I got to see like how things can be displayed so like my eyes started picking up and observing oh this is a great way to display something okay it's a different season this is how it can be changed and oh look at all these layers and I just I picked a lot of that up my aunt she is Pinterest on legs let me tell you that's another story there's so many stories to go through so stay along with us and then after that I worked I came home from a mission and my I had an internship that I found. So my next job was an internship. I worked at a venue in downtown Phoenix. And I really just did, like, I, I, I shadowed on tours that they would show of the place. It was Warehouse 215, by the way, if anyone's in Phoenix. Very awesome venue. It's very big. It's like a big warehouse, obviously, but it's very, like, rustic, and you can really dress it up to be so fancy. Anyway, I would, I, I, worked on their Pinterest. I would email people who came for a tour, like a follow-up email. And we always did it systematically. And it was just so fun. I learned a lot of how to have a good relationship with your vendors you work with, because we would go out to lunch and take people out to lunch who worked with us, like the bartender, um, just all these vendors, which was really cool to do and to be a part of and to kind of like, you know, rub shoulders with some of these guys. And then I moved to Utah. I got some other job in the meantime, working for a home warranty company, which was really just nice cash. I mean, I learned a lot about how to look at a pilot light if if it's out and how to check your HVAC system and where to look for your um, electricity panel and stuff like that, because I'd always walk people through that on the phone. So I guess good things to learn in a customer service job. Um, I I, looking back on it, I'm so happy that I did a customer service job because it has taught me so much. It's given me a lot of actual, actually like patience and, and kindness to people who call me who are doing a kind of customer service job. So I'm, I'm more, um, what's that word? I don't know. I'm just nicer to them. And then I worked for a catering company here in Utah, Maggleby's amazing. That is an amazing company to have had that opportunity with. I was there for about almost a year, really, really about a year because I quit shortly after I got married. Um, and so in that job, you know, I, I want to work the system a little bit. So in that job, I would, or we would, like I was a captain over events. So I would manage my team. I would pack the cars. I had to think a few steps ahead so I can keep everyone in line great things to learn. I had great relationships with the people who were in the office who like even like the owner of the company, I still see him from now and then and we have a great relationship. Um, other things I did though on that job was I knew I wasn't going to stay in catering forever, but it was, it was so good to do that. I took note of the venues we went to. I talked to and had a good relationship and like gave a good um, kind of like an elevator pitch for myself whenever I could to the people who we would be in contact with who worked at a venue or who were another vendor or anything else. I just, I took a lot of like mental notes of 
places to have events, people that are good, how things work, how things look, so that I could then recommend that when I was planning events. So at Sleepy Ridge Wedding Venue here in, not here, I'm, I don't live in Vineyard, but it's it's in Vineyard, Utah. Um, so they have preferred vendors, and Maggleby's is one of them. So I was always, it seemed, at Sleepy Ridge. I got to know some of the hostesses working there really well because I'm a friendly person, I believe, and I I just like to befriend a lot of people around me and people I see a lot. So I had a good relationship with them. I had a good relationship with the with the director. Her name is Judy. And so I would like get them food whenever they were there and I was there. I would say hi, remember their names. And then I asked like, hey, I, I kind of want to do what you guys do here. How do I do that? And one of the hostesses was like, oh, talk to Judy. So <laughs> it, I, I, I had a journal at the time and I still go back on it sometimes. And I was just so excited that Judy was like, hey, we'd love to have you come in for an interview to be a hostess. And I was like, all right, okay. So I went in there and I personally feel like I I was very qualified. It was so good. I was excited. I told them exactly, like, they asked me some questions, like, can you do this? And I'm sure I could have figured it out because it was a lot of, like, social media stuff. But I was very honest. I was like, that's not really what I do. It's also not my passion. So I don't know if I would be as good at it because it's not something that drives me. But this drives me. So I remember that went really well. And then that day or the following, I got a call saying I got the job. Woo-wee! I was so excited. Um... Like, I'm so excited. It's like, I'm not, I'm not remembering to breathe right now, just thinking about it. <laughs> so I've been working at Sleepy Ridge for now two plus years, like two years and a few months. And I, shortly after I became a hostess, within like five months, really, I was upgraded to become an assistant director. And Judy has two of them. And so once again, being in a job like this, I have learned so much because I have been so observant. I have taken notes. I have gotten cards from people. I have created relationships. I know who is good, who I wouldn't recommend. Um, And that a lot of that I attribute to Sleepy Ridge and to Judy. Judy is someone who thinks about things five steps in advance. She has a system in place that she alone has created over the last eight and a half years of being at Sleepy Ridge, being the director. And it is such a foolproof system that I almost, not almost, but I know that I'm going to take that same system and apply it to any business that I do because it's so like the way the folders are, the the order they're in, like it's just a good system and it's reliable and it's it's organically double-checked, sometimes triple-checked. And it's it's just a great system. So I, I really look up to her and I still am learning a few things from her here and there. Because, I mean, after you do weddings, 90% weddings and some events for two and a half years, you get a good feel of like, okay, here's the good flow, at least at this venue. Like, we know the flow. We know good vendors. We know who to recommend. We know how it works, um, what we can say yes to, what we can say no to. But let me just tell you, like, Judy... She has become a dear friend. We are both very close. We're very real with each other. And I I don't even know if that's something to recommend in all workplaces, but at some at some point when you're spending hours and hours a day per week, per month, per year with someone, because it's just me and her at a time, and her other assistant is there on opposite days I'm there, so it really is just me and Judy. I'm with her more at once in a week than I am with my husband on some days. 
Um, Because obviously, like I sleep in the same bed with my husband, but we're not like interacting and and hanging out. So it's we just have such a good relationship that if something is is just bothering me or if I'm stressed, like she senses it because I guess it shows on my face and we talk about it and then we just become stronger together and we are a good team. I really feel like we have a good team. And so with Sleepy Ridge, I have, you know, so much of my heart is there. So I'm there half the week and the other half of the week, it's like opposite days every other day. I'm at home. I am, I'm grinding. I'm working on the Party Planner Academy with Chelsea Curtis, which is phenomenal. And actually that heads up, that's what I'm talking about in this next, I'm going to mention it in the next podcast here. Um, so hang tight cause that's going to be a, a ride and it'll be so fun. Um, but Sleepy Ridge is is a phenomenal place. It offers a lot. There's a lot of really great people who have been there for years and are very just a family. We're really there for each other, and we want to just go above and beyond. So I will always probably recommend people to go to Sleepy Ridge. And truthfully, as long as Judy is there, I will recommend it. Whoever's after her, whenever that is, I'm sure it'll be great. But I just I just know the way that she thinks and how it works there that I have learned so much. I have learned how to professionally speak to people who may be upset or who may be happy and may like want to be your friend, but how to stay professional, which I think is such, I I never, I never thought about it that I didn't know how, how to do that very well. I'm very friendly, but I think it doesn't always come off as professional. So I've, I've been working on that and I think I've been getting better. I have also been working on not just saying sorry, but saying, wow, I see what I've done. I'll work on that. Because I don't feel like sorry always means sorry. <laughs> I, I don't ever want to use that as an excuse. So anyway, I I am just so excited to be doing these podcasts. Like I said, I'm going to mention a little bit about the Party Planner Academy with Chelsea Curtis um, in the next episode. But stay tuned because it's about to get a little more real. Yoo-hoo! Welcome to Malicious Events with me, Melanie Avery. I am just running errands. Today's been a day of of working at Sleepy Ridge. I've, I'm going to run some more errands before I go home. And the second I'm home, I'm going to start uh, transcribing something for, for uh, business. So anyway, just while I'm on the run, because that's how it is. You know, sometimes you just, you're on the run and you run, run, run. I'm going to talk about the Party Planner Academy. Now, I've already told you about my story a little bit about how I wanted to do events. The transition from being a math teacher, wanting to be a math teacher, and then going to wanting to be an event planner solely. And then I talked about my jobs that have all got me experience and what I've done throughout many years of jobs and of connecting with people to get me to where I am today, feeling confident in doing events. Now... It wasn't, but so what is today? Today is December 2nd, 2019, and it wasn't, but maybe probably early fall or this summer that I was like, man, I, I, I love, I love my job. I do a lot of weddings, which is really good to know. We work with a lot of vendors. It's awesome, but it's not what I want to do. Like that, I, I was just kind of in a, kind of in a mental slump here and there. Still happy to do weddings right now, but I just, I, that's not my goal. My goal is not to stay at Sleepy Ridge. It's not to be an assistant director. My goal is to have my own business. And so I, I, my husband's very good about the power of influence and um, like law of attraction. And he's taught me a lot about it. And we've read books and stuff. 
about those things. So I wanted to, since I'm on social media often enough to just enjoy my spare time or my wasted time, <laughs> let's be honest, um, I I wanted to look up people who are event planners. I wanted to see that more in my feed because the more I saw that, the more I would be more motivated to do something about it in my belief system. So I looked up, I think I literally looked up event planners and I came across, um, I, I don't know who else I came across. I'm sure I don't follow them now because they weren't as interesting as who I like now. Um, but I came across a few of like local influencers in Utah and I saw this big like toga party and I was like, Oh, who all went there? That looks really cool. That could be something I could be a part of. And I, and Oh, that looks beautiful. Like I bet I could set that up. And I came across someone named Chelsea Curtis and this, this is not an ad or a sponsor or anything. I, I just truly want to share this and I, it may be, I don't, she's probably she's probably listened and seen the stuff that I posted about her, but I'm almost obsessed with with her and the business that she's been doing because I have been like I've been so hungry for what she does, so hungry for it that it's finally here and I just can't stop recommending it to people, telling people about it really in full. Like someone came over yesterday and they said, how's life? I'm like, here, let me show you. And I grabbed my folder of all these printed out things. And anyway, I am, I'm so jacked about this. So Chelsea Curtis, and, and I may not know everything about her. I've only really like, you know, talked to her and gotten to know her a little bit more in the last month. So she is an event planner. She is a hostess to all ladies dance parties, which I've been to one. I helped her with one. Just kind of like take out the trash and do background stuff. And let me tell you, this lady knows how to throw an all ladies dance party. One, I love dancing. Two, I'm a lady. Three, what a whole lot of freaking fun. <laughs> it was really fun. She works with great vendors. It was just, there's different things that kind of surprise you throughout the night. And I'm talking like, when you want to go and just let loose via dance, this is the place. You want to show up to these parties. So she does that, and people also hire her out to be an event planner for other things. But her, I think her baby really is like what she puts on herself for, for marketing, for fun, just to relight her spark more and more, is these all-ladies dance parties. So she does that, and I went to Pinner's conference a month ago. Um, because I saw that she was going to be speaking there, have a class type thing. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. So I ended up actually going alone to Pinner's conference. And if anyone has ever been, I, I guess if anyone hasn't ever been for your first time, I recommend going alone. Put a backpack on your back because you know you're going to buy some fun stuff. Maybe plan a budget because you could get carried away, especially with Christmas coming up soon. Anyway, I had the time of my life, and I'm definitely going to go again and again because it was just so fun. So, Chelsea had this course, or this class, and she talked about how to throw an amazing party on a budget. And, like, who doesn't want to know that? Because even if you're not an actual event planner, you probably have, you're probably a host for family coming over. You probably have, like, holiday parties you either attend or throw yourself. Whether it's big or small, like, so many of us are event planners. I think there's a few of us that really want to be ambitious and make a lot of money from that and make a career out of that just by ourselves, not with a corporation. And I'm, I'm one of those people. That's what I'm aspiring to do. So that's why I started following Chelsea. I started kind of watching what she was doing. I decided to go to Pinner's conference because she was going to be there. And while she was there, she had a great promotional deal for her Party Planner Academy course. And this is a 28-day course that takes you, like, day by day. She 
it's it's like so beautiful too it's it's very neat very organized just when you click on the course and it's all online and there's these templates and it's just it's beautifully done it's aesthetically pleasing to the eye she just she nailed this like the work that she put into it I don't know if everyone can tell I can really tell and I'm really appreciative of it because it's really like connecting with how I learn and how I um how I'm like digest not digesting (laughs) ingesting that sounds gross how I'm consuming it there we go so I I have this big folder and there's so I don't I don't even know how to explain it it's just so good if you're in a position like me and you are an aspiring event planner if you are an event planner and want to get better because I've I've clearly already done events like I threw a big event of 150 people for a Netflix star who came and spoke to us I do recovery events like bi-monthly I do I've did a retreat with my husband um, in California for a couple of days I'm doing one again in January or February and so like I've I've done events yes but they are not enough to make me feel like so excited. They're not enough to fill my pocket. It makes me think like, okay, I have to do this, but after my job and I just, I don't want that. I want it to be solely events and I want to put so much work into it so that I feel so fulfilled from what I'm doing. So if you're in a position, maybe like that, you've done events, maybe you'd want to get into it. Um, even if you don't even know what you want to do, but you have like a little bit of desire, you know, that little pilot light of excitement, this is the course for you because the whole first and second week are about like building up to what you want to do. I feel like those are really good for me to go through and, and, um, not redefine, but, um, shoot, what's that word? It's like, you know, dusting off the old noggin, (laughs) I guess. Oh, fine tuning. That's a good way to put it. So I wanted to fine tune, um, you know, what I want to do because I already know what I want to do, but some of it, it can help you find out what you want to do. And now that I'm at week four, I'm actually a few days behind because the holidays hit and my husband got sick and stuff like that. But it's, oh, it's so freaking good. And there's so much work to be done that I am, I am constantly now I'm like laying in bed or I'm, I'm, um, waking up or I'm driving somewhere and I'm thinking, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, I could do that. Ooh, maybe this will be a good podcast. Ooh. Oh, speaking of like this podcast, totally, totally just created through this course. I wanted to get my content out there. I've never done a podcast. I don't really want to do videos. The reason why I don't want to do videos is because I don't always get ready for the day. Sometimes I just stay in my nasty gym clothes all day and my ego is like, oh, that's gross. We don't want to show that to the people. (laughs) Probably doesn't matter. Um, It's about the material, right? But I still want it to be like pleasing to the other eyes watching. Anyway, I am just so excited for this. It's going to be a really fun journey going forward because I'm now connecting with more people. I'm, I'm, I'm going to plan my own events and, and I'm just going to save it for the next episode to talk about the events that I'm thinking of. They may be wild, but you're talking to a wild lady. Welcome to Malicious Events Podcast. Hey, yo, hey, yo, yoo <laughs> I was just listening to a podcast and it made me really think and stop about something I was thinking about yesterday when I was driving. And I was thinking about people who don't support the ideas of others. And this is what I mean. A long time ago, I heard this um, this quote by Jim Rohn. If you don't know who he is, he's one of those really big motivational speakers, big like Tony Robbins. Like he, he has a very iconic voice. He goes like, oh, and this is how it was. 
and this is my speech. I mean, obviously he didn't say those words, but he has a very just iconic voice. But he said something that my husband and I had a conversation about a long time ago. Um, And I looked it up. So it says, information or a person may be shown to a multitude of people, but you will always get a different reaction. Some people will believe. Some people will be confused. Some people will mock and laugh. Don't try and straighten this out. The mockers and laughers will always mock and laugh. And I remember in the actual speech that he said, he goes, they were called the mockers. They have to mock. Like that's what they're called. And it makes me think of like I work with, I work not with, but I work around someone right now that I told a really fun idea to. And as I was telling her, I was almost jumping out of my seat. And I just, I remember I was so pumped about it. And she's like, no, no, don't do that. And then later she walked by and said, instead of doing that idea, you should do this. Yeah, do that. And it, and it didn't bother me that much because I, I have already labeled her as a mocker. <laughs> I have, and, and to be honest, like, I don't just walk around telling people or thinking like, oh, that's a mocker. I'm not going to believe anything they say because this lady, she does have good ideas here and there. But I just know her with my wild ideas. She's not going to be a supporter of it. She said that her daughter might be liking some of the ideas that I've told her, but that's just, that's just part of the game. And as I was driving yesterday, I'm not sure why this popped in my head, but I was thinking of in all of the world, in all of our friends and our neighbors and people on social media platforms, on um, in our families, like in so many places, there's got to be at least one, if not multiple, mockers. And mockers might be a strong term, but people who don't believe in our ideas or people who don't want to support our ideas. And I'll tell you, there was... <laughs> The day that I quit college, <laughs> I was I was getting really into listening to motivational speakers, and I was I was listening to them while I was on the bike. I was listening to them a lot. My I was talking to my dad about some of these, and my dad and my parents did Amway many years ago. And Amway, if you're not familiar with it, I wish I knew more about it, but it's kind of like a multi-level marketing type company. I, it's still around. It's it's one of like. I believe one of the first and the the biggest ones, but you like sell products and stuff. But what they do for people in that company is they put on really big events where they can get really motivated, like Les Brown, who's another big motivational speaker. My dad remembers going to an event where he was speaking and, and how incredible it was and how he felt. So my dad suggested I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And at this time, I didn't tell anyone in my family that I was pretty much going to be done with college after I finished that semester at that time. And I was reading that book, and more and more and more did I feel like this book was just saying, hey, college is a waste. <laughs> not, not in a sense of waste, but he was saying, in order to get ahead, like, don't, don't follow the norm, quotation mark. Don't follow the norm of everyone going into college, getting into debt. You have to buy a house. You have to do this. And that's just, that's what it, that's what's expected because maybe that's how it's been in the past, but times have changed. And I, I read it and I was like, well, is this my dad telling me to stop going to college? Because everyone in my family, they're all very big scholars in some way or another. They've all gotten degrees, like if not bachelor's, master's, they're all very, very intelligent. Um, I mean, my, I think my dad, he got his associates and that's all he had, but he started his own business and he's been doing that for years and is so successful with my mom as like the, the partner, office manager. So I, I, <laughs> I was home for Christmas and it was when I was, 
I believe I was just dating. Let's see. I don't think I was engaged yet. I was just dating my new... Actually, I think it was right after I got engaged. Anyway, I, my husband and I, we were back in Phoenix, and I was with my family, and he was with his family. We decided to split for the night because we were like a distance away. So I was with my family, and my sister just, we're all, we had dinner, we're all hanging out, and she said, so when you go back to school? And I looked at my mom. Oh, I looked at my mom because a week before that or so, I was talking to my mom about it, and I was like, Mom, can you just not tell anyone? Like, I know this will have to come up, but I just want to, like, let you know that I'm I'm going to not go to college anymore because I'd like to start my own business and I don't see a need. Like, I feel like school is getting in my way. I still feel that way. Like, if I went back to school, it'd be getting in my way of what I actually am doing and what I'm what I'm already practicing and doing and what I want. So I... I sat there and I looked over at my mom and she looked at me like, here you go. So I remember it was so uncomfortable. And of course, Chris wasn't with me because Chris knew about this. I told him that I was thinking of not going to college anymore. And I just, I felt like, oh no, my whole family, they're going to be so mad. And it's not like they were mad, but a lot of them were just shocked and confused. And it, and I know it didn't happen like this, but it almost seemed like one by one, they just told their reasons like, they asked, obviously, what I'm doing, what's my plan, maybe that I shouldn't do that, because because respectfully, like, that's that's the norm, and that's what I truly believe is the norm, and they're all scholars, um, and they have amazing educations. I I don't I don't think I just I just it's just not gonna work for me. Um, and worst case scenario, down the road, if I need to go back to school, I go back to one more year. Sure, it might be harder, but school is always gonna be there, so I can definitely go back. But I just remember that was, I'm not saying my family were the naysayers, but for a time I felt very like, um, what's the word? I kind of felt targeted, like what I was doing was wrong. And so it made me think like, am I doing this? Is this okay? But I felt so strongly in my soul that this was something that I needed to do. Um, and, and now as time has gone on, like my, my sister and her husband are both entrepreneurs. It's really awesome. And, um, I've I've gotten a lot of like really good feedback and even help from my family for my events and going forward. And and I'm still not where I want to be, but I I feel so much support and love from them and I'm so grateful because at the time I was like, "Oh no, they're going to hate me and disown me." Um, but that's that's just part of the game and and maybe with people that we don't know that aren't necessarily in our own family that we we have the privilege to talk to all the time. For people that like I work with, that lady she might not ever be on my side and I'm just going to accept that because what I'm doing is fulfilling me and I'm feeling so alive doing it. I have so many ideas. I'm really pushing forward. I'm investing in the right places and I feel that it's only going to get better. I'm meeting amazing people and creating amazing things and it it really is only getting better because I see the, I I don't see the goal line. I just see like the habits building and I see that being more successful as we go on and continue so really the message I want to leave with you all is there's going to be, like in the scriptures, it even says like they were the mockers. And why were they called the mockers? Because they mocked. That was what they did. And that's what Jim Rohn was explaining. He's like, they're they're called the mockers. They're going to mock. Like you're going to run into those people anytime, all the time. There's if, if you, like the president, no matter what. There's going to be people who hate the president, people who love the president, follow everything he does. There's going to be people, in even in religious settings, they might not love all the leaders, but there's some people that love them so much. And no matter what, just it's so important in business to think about that. 
and I, I have started to just, uh, push, not push away, but push, like push back and not take it personally when people don't agree with what I'm doing, because I know that there's a whole group of them, of people that are so behind what I'm doing, because I've told my ideas to them, they're like, oh, oh, I am so there, like, let me know when that happens, I'm, that's totally up my alley, and that's what I live for, that's what I do these things for, I don't do it to convince people to change themselves to love what I love, because they love their own thing that I might not agree with, so I hope this finds you well, it's just something really to think about, and it's okay when people disagree, it's not something to fight about, it's something to accept and move forward and get more creative for those who are your following And do love what you do so you can really cater to them and make that community so strong because we need all types of communities stronger. Thanks for joining.